Did you know the United States ranks worst out of 40 countries for paid maternity leave? And in the United States, parents pay on average $1,100 a month for childcare for toddlers? It's stats like this that are exactly why I started my networking group, the Amplify Her Networking Group, which is focused on building community with women to make more money, connect each other with dream partners and clients, learn how to price our services, products, workshops, and classes, and just talk transparently about how much we're making, how much we're spending on childcare, how much we're adjusting our lives to fit these boxes that have been made for us. I truly believe that when you have community, you create change and you create confidence. The next Amplify Her Networking Group meeting is on Wednesday, April 5th, and I would love to see you there. You can head to www.amplifyhermedia.com backslash networking. Your first meeting is free, 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 free. So sign up through the form on my website that I just listed for your first meeting. If you've joined before and you wanna come back as a member, you can join on that page. And there's also a drop-in page. So you can drop into a meeting anytime after your first meeting. I can't wait to see you on April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am your host, Christina Singh. The Amplify Her podcast is all about amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. Oh my gosh, am I just so grateful and happy you're here. Today's episode is so exciting. I am just thrilled to be chatting with Nikki Pebbles on this episode. Nikki is phenomenal. I found Nikki's content on TikTok, um, connected with her on social media. And what I find so truly special about Nikki's work is it really truly is all about cultivating practices and beliefs and habits and a relationship with ourselves in order to be our most authentic selves and to better ourselves. And so um, a little bit about Nikki is she holds a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology. You're going to learn exactly what that is on this episode. Um, And her commitment is to really helping entrepreneurs and creators harness the full potential of their unique brain power while also promoting sustainable success through effective energy management strategies. So Nikki is an expert in teaching individuals on how to prioritize self-care, manage their energy levels, and cultivate a more sustainable approach to achieving their goals. Uh, She's a lead performance coach at Google, uh, the owner of the virtual fitness studio Rock Your Body Online, and she is super passionate about empowering people to live their most bold lives. Nikki has been featured in publications such as Self Magazine, Women's Health Magazine, in Style, Forbes, and the Times of London. Her approach is both evidence-based and personalized, making her a highly sought after expert in her field. I also want to say she's just cool as hell. Like she is so kind, so enthusiastic. Um, And she's also launching a coaching business, which is something we really talk about um, in this episode as far as like her intention on helping people. But her business is called Focus Forward, and it's a place where she can help entrepreneurs and creators harness the power of their unique brains. So we really talk a lot about brains in this episode, guys. We talk about um, exactly what's going on in our brains, why why we're doing what we're doing, why our brain is, um, you know, giving us those messages on, you know, not sending an email or not doing the thing and what is actually happening in our bodies when we're 
paralyzed (laughs) when it comes to motivation. We talk a lot about uh, the workplace and being our authentic selves and breaking down barriers at work for others and for ourselves. So I'm not going to give it all away, though. This episode is pretty, pretty rad. And I just want to thank Nikki for coming on the show. Uh, I will drop all of her social media handles in the show notes, but she's pretty much Nikki Pebbles on every single platform. So go follow, go support her work. And I just want to say I'm so beyond grateful that you're here listening to this episode. It means the world to me. And let's dive into this awesome interview with Nikki. Enjoy. I cannot believe that worked. You know what's so funny is I've had two back-to-back interviews where there have been tech stuff going on. Yeah. And um, literally, I had to start recording because I was like, this is a moment. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Listen, if there's one thing I'm great at, it's researching stuff. I I have to say, like, I I think it just comes from, like, I, I think it comes from, like, with one of my businesses, I, so I have a virtual gym, right? And when okay. I first launched that ish, I had no idea what I was doing. And there were so many, but I also love technology. So I'm that person that like, you know, oh, you're doing this. Well, I have to find a way to do it even better. Cause that's just my nature. So I would have to, I taught myself how to do all of these crazy technology things. And whenever like things would glitch out, I would just like take a <laughs> breath and I'd be like, where is Google? And I'm just like, just, no, I mean, solutions, okay. honey. <laughs> this is so funny. So obviously I'm just jumping in because yeah, my, for people who are listening and eventually watching this, my video was going crazy. And yeah. so we're looking up how to fix it. And I literally just click one button and it fixed. That's it. Nikki looked it up. Oh, I was reading things like install Zoom software nope. and like literally it's simple, just one button. click. But it's so funny because I just interviewed um Cece Olisa and she is amazing. And um her mic, we were trying to figure out her mic like for a good five minutes and yeah. we were dying laughing so yeah. like it is it is both like the most frustrating like <gasps> situation but also like <laughs> you just have to laugh to laugh at yourself because technology is just like I used to get really upset like when I would have when I would be on camera and tech would start going off they actually oh my god I should send this to you I Please never send me anything because <laughs> it is <laughs> it's very embarrassing but there was okay I'll tell this story really really quick so when I I was shooting a live stream fitness class, right? And I had just went from using Zoom to streaming on YouTube. So with oh, streaming okay. on YouTube, you know, like you have to use, I use something called OBS, which is just like a streaming service. So I'm able to get better quality with my music and my camera. Mm-hmm. And I had just started doing this, right? And I log in to OBS before I go into YouTube and the 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 camera is like sliced in half from what I'm looking at. And I'm like, Oh, no. So then I like go into YouTube. And I'm like, what is going on? So I so I I'm like, panicking, right? Like, freaking out panicking. Panicking, Because you're live. Right. I have 30 people about to go into a workout class live streaming. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I log on, right? (sighs) I log on. And they're like, they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, is everything okay, guys? Like, can you see me okay? They're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And I was like, oh, thank God. And you see me. I go, one second. And I just start sobbing on camera, <laughs> sobbing, because oh. I was so anxious and so just, like, frazzled by that. You know what I mean? And yeah. it is both, like, and, and, and like the show had to go on. So I had to just like teach a class, like puffy faced, like, you know, like just yes. trying to recover from being so upset. I'm telling you, I look back on that now. And that was probably like two, three years ago. And I just laugh because that's happened now, like in present day. And I'm just like, ah, all right, guys, like whatever. We're just going to go with like, doesn't even well, 
phase me. Yes. And I think this is going to go so beautifully into our conversation because welcome to the show, Nikki. Welcome to the Amplifier (laughs) podcast. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm so grateful you're here. And I just knew we were going to vibe when (laughs) when you and I connected. I was like, yep. Okay, great. We got Um, it. Yes. And something I wanted to say is so much of your work revolves around, um, you know, our our brains and how we're... um, you know, navigating the world, but also emotional intelligence and our nervous system. And it's so funny because that's an instance where it's like your body regulated its nervous system by expelling, you know, everything and and crying. And I had a very similar moment recently where over the weekend I um, was on a play date with my son and it was, we like kind of traveled out of a little bit deeper into Brooklyn to go to one of his best friend's houses. Wait, and you're in New York? I am, yeah. Are you in New York? <laughs> Are you kidding? Okay, this is what I thought because I was watching your video, like your videos obviously like lurking before this interview. And I was yeah. like, I hear city sounds. I was like, I'm familiar with these city sounds. I wonder if she's in New York. So that actually doesn't shock York, me. New York girl, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see me go on mute during this, it's because inevitably somebody's like just jangling 50,000 bottles outside okay. um, <laughs> while you're talking. <laughs> so um, I, I went to um, this play date and I was hungry. My son was hungry. We decided to go to this playground and this, this um, woman from daycare is lovely and yeah. angel and she has three children. She has okay. a two month old, a two year old and a five year old. I have a two and a half year old. Okay. And when I tell you she, <laughs> she had her shit together. I did not. And we're leaving and my son starts like, we're not even two doors down to go to the playground. My start, my yeah. son melts down Yeah, and Usually I am pretty calm, but I was just getting triggered, 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 like over it. My son, we keep going. My son runs, collapses in the street on the way to the playground. And when I tell you, I get to the playground with them. We've, we've had lots of moments, not my finest moment of just me being like desperate things flying in the air. Like no joke. We get to the playground. I start sobbing in front of this mom And I was so embarrassed and I was so like just out of body almost and out of control when your emotions come to you like that. See Brooklyn in the background. Um, And one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about leading into all of this is really like your work deals so much with how to regulate our systems in all of these different ways, which I love. Like I found a video um, that you did on uh, June bugging, um, I believe you called it. And so that's how I connected with your work. But what I find so brilliant about your work is that you address, um, you, you have like the human moment that you're addressing and then you go into the the brain and um, really understanding like at a deep sub level what's happening to us. And so in those moments, there's a deep reflection now where I can find it funny, like you were saying with your story. But I would love to know from you, how did you decide to get into this work to start understanding how we can better ourselves in these ways? Yeah. So I have a really unique background in that um, I've always been really interested in psychology when I got into, but I actually got into psychology by complete accident. So my original plan was to become a history teacher Mm. and I ended up getting into um, NYU and um, I went to community college first and then got into NYU for the second half and I got into their school of education and I was girl I was pumped I was like yes like this is where I want to go yeah and my mom was like no because it was going to cost like two hundred thousand dollars for like two years and and even the dean of education was like listen you're not you're not gonna pay those like you're not gonna make the amount of money that you're gonna make being a teacher is probably never gonna equate to those loans right and you know if, if there's another possibility another school to go to he was really honest. He's like, I would look into that. And I got a free ride to um, 
Stony Brook University, which mm. I grew up in Long Island. So um, it was about like 15 minutes away from my house, free ride. And my mom was like, that's where you're going. And I was upset. But what ended up happening was I got into that school and I applied to their education program and got denied, which I thought was like so weird. But I was like, all right, well, you know what? I've always been really interested in psychology. Let me major in psychology and I'll minor in English. Um, and then really got into developmental psychology. So I did a lot of research in my undergrad. Um, and I, I interned at the research lab for developmental uh, psychology. And then I also was a career counselor in my undergrad too. So I've always been really fascinated with understanding, especially at a developmental age, um, how our brains operate and why our brains operate the way that they do. Once I graduated college, though, I went a different route and I went more towards um, fitness and really took more of a approach of how can I make fitness? Because here's the thing. Fitness is one of those really interesting things where movement has always helped me. I I was a dancer my entire life and yeah. movement has literally saved my life so many times, but move, there's so much trauma around movement that no one talks about. And I think so many people are like, oh, just move, just work out. Or like, you know, I tried doing X, Y, and Z for X amount of months. And then I, I quote unquote fell off, right? There's so much trauma around movement. And that was my big driver. And I didn't even realize that like inputting psychology within fitness, but like I was just trying to figure out, okay, how can I create a safe environment for people where it's not about, oh, I'm trying to lose this or I'm trying to do this, but it's just like changing their relationship with fitness yes. and, 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 and it being more of a life thing where it's functional, right? How can I be more functional? And from there, you know, again, psychology has always been there because then I sprung into doing, um, like branding and consulting work, social media work, coaching work, and really got into more of the coaching aspect of it. So I was yeah. coaching entrepreneurs and, and helping them with their brand. And again, deeply psychological, right? Like I always felt like it was more about feeling than it was about like colors and things like that. And, you know, it always, psychology has always really been there. Then I decided once COVID happened, um, you know, I had a big life transition. Um, I was in a relationship for nine years and decided like, nah, not doing this anymore. Wow. And um, had to change my entire life. Like literally like had to move back in with my parents, which was not the easiest decision. Um, but I knew that I just, I needed a fresh start. And again, this was in like the very height of COVID. Yeah, so wow. like I, I had really at that time, I mean, this was like May, 2020, everything was shut down. And like, I was working in Manhattan at the time at a fitness studio, everything was shut down. So yeah. like, it wasn't even like I had the ability to even restart if I, you know, like I was like, all right, I guess I just, my parents were so wonderful and being like, just come back home, like come back mm. home and just like rebuild. And that's literally what I did. So I went back home and I started my virtual gym, rock your body online. And then I also started grad school and I went to grad school for industrial organizational psychology. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that yeah. piece. First of all, like, I love that you acknowledge that there is so much trauma around movement. Yeah. I think that is something you're so spot on is just not talked about. It's, yeah. you know, in your body, you're going to feel all of these ways and you're yeah. going to deal with trauma um, in your body, but going for a walk can even feel traumatic for some people like going up a hill, you know, like just getting outside in general, your yeah. body is going to respond to it. Your brain's connecting in that way. So I really love that you mentioned that because I actually completely agree with you. I think we talk about trauma being stored in our brain, but we don't always talk about the trauma of exercise and like hundred oh, percent regularly moving our bodies and yeah. how it comes with all of this messaging. Like you were saying, like falling off and all of that stuff that really resonates very deeply. With yeah. Me. Yeah. Well, think about it this way too. 
two ways to think about it. If you deal with anxiety or like panic attacks, when you feel your heart rate go up, it's very similar to when you're having a panic attack. And for Mm. a lot of people that feels very dysregulating, right? And then for also, if you bring it all the way back, think about gym class. Think about gym class in elementary school, in junior high, and people not picking you for your team or doing that stupid damn one mile. mile. Like, yeah. The like trauma of having it, uh, having your teacher go, come on, come on. And you're the last one with all the other girls. Oh my God. I'm traumatic. And those are stories, right? Those are stories that our brain takes with us. And if you think about the brain in a way where, cause I don't, I don't think that shame helps anything. And, and unfortunately there's so many people, quote unquote coaches out there who who talk about the brain and and things that we go through with such shame, right? And to me, I don't think that helps. I think if we look at our brain in that it's just trying to protect us. Think about anxiety. I deal with anxiety. Um, I have generalized anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And I used to feel a lot of shame around it until I realized that this is just my brain trying to protect me. Yeah, my brain is just trying to protect me because it's seen things and it's just trying to keep me safe. Now, here's the thing, though, safe, the way your brain looks at safe is it equals the same, same equals safe. But that doesn't mean that you should always stay the same. Right. It's just going by patterns because it's trying to keep you safe. Your thoughts aren't facts. So when you could step away and zoom out and say, oh, right. I'm a perfectionist, quote unquote. So I don't, I really struggle. Everything has to be perfect. Listen, instead of shaming yourself and be like, oh my God, I'm such a procrastinator. I'm such a perfectionist. Why do I do this? Your brain's just trying to protect you, boo. That's it. It's just trying to protect you. It doesn't want you to be disappointed. It doesn't want you to get in trouble. It doesn't want any of that stuff. That's why it's doing that. So when we can look at it in that factor, right, movement, work, uh, perfectionism, all of that stuff, it's just grouped into my brain is trying to keep me safe. So then we can then, like I said, zoom out and say, okay, you're trying to keep me safe, keep me the same. But I know, because I'm the CEO of my brain and my body, that thank you, brain, for trying to keep me safe. But I got this. You know what I mean? Like, I got this. I can handle this. And that's where you build that resilience. That's where you build, not even resilience, that's where you build that self-trust. And that is what it's all about, right? Because I feel like the word resilience is kind of like, eh. like, I I don't love that (laughs) word. I don't love that word. And maybe that's just because I've been through a lot of stuff in my life, as has everyone. And people would always be like, you're so resilient. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. I just want peace. Like, (laughs) I don't need to be resilient. So to me, it's more, how can I build self-trust? I'm just mm-hmm. learning to trust myself more. And that's where it comes to fitness. That's where it comes to the brain. Our brains is trying to keep us safe. And it just comes yeah. down to building that self-trust. And it can feel really overwhelming when our brains are trying to keep us safe. You know, yeah. there can be that a lot of that shame piece that we're internalizing. You know, why yeah. can't I send this email? Why can't I just go make that meal instead of ordering out? Like, why yeah. can't I take action on something? I mean, those are yeah. things that I struggle with. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk to you about what exactly is industrial organizational psychology? <laughs> like, what exactly is that? And how did yeah. you get into this? Because I know it has led you to talk about all of these subject matters in this way. Yeah, yeah. So industrial organizational psychology is, in the simplest term, the uh, study of behavior within the workplace. So what I found really interesting, why I decided to go that route. Now, again, I have a background and research background in developmental psychology. So for me, like I was really fascinated prior to going into my master's in just understanding the brain and how it develops. So I felt like, oh, cool, I want to learn more about the behavior of the workplace, but also the behavior of entrepreneurship. And then when I really stepped back again, I thought a lot of my research, what I really want to research is because I'm neurodivergent. So I'm someone who deals with neurodivergency. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So for me, I always just felt like workplaces were not suited for individuals with neurodivergency, individuals with anxiety. It's meant for neurotypical brains. And I've always struggled 
with that, uh, which is primarily why I really went into entrepreneurship because I really could set my own pace. But even within that, there were struggles with that. And then I even dug deeper. So a lot of it was with neurodivergency and body image. And I was also studying body image within the workplace, within entrepreneurship, and how that stops primarily women in leading with leadership roles and taking on leadership roles and what effect body image has within the workplace. So those two things really were like the the anchors in what I was studying. Um, and, and here's the thing, primarily with IO Psych, you're looking at a lot of people who are more so like in HR and human resources and interesting. And, okay. And, and things like that. But I wanted to take it more of a research route and a coaching route where a lot of people in IO psych also become like exec executive coaching or like high performance coaches. Um, and that's primarily where I wanted to go was like, okay, I definitely want to do more high performance coaching, but for neurodivergent individuals, right. um, that's where I really wanted to go. And that's where I more so found my research. So primarily speaking, would I say that IO psych was I'm glad that I did IOSite because I feel like it definitely, I was able to really create my own niche within it. But primarily speaking, it, it's more for like HR, but I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. Like I want to, yeah. I want to study this. And I was able to really work craft my own degree um, in that. So IOSite is really interesting. I find it. Really I love that we're calling it IOSite now because yeah. now I feel like I'm in on it. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I love that so much. And I also want, like, I feel like, you know, HR kind of gets a bad rap when it comes to the work they do, because it really is just managing so many relationships and (laughs) managing them in a, in a place where you're, you're not actually managing people in at work you're just observing yeah. and like managing you're protecting the company yeah I mean at the end of the day totally HR is protecting the company and for me I was more interested in the actual employee like I wow, like yeah I, I was looking at productivity like that was another really big thing that I mm-hmm. that I studied and did a lot of my research on was productivity within the workplace and how to make people feel safe within the workplace, because if you, when you really look at it, there's so much, do you care if I curse? Is that okay? Oh, totally fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. cool. There's so much bullshit when it comes to like identity within the workplace and people having to mask, people having to code switch, people having to do all, not being able to wear the hairstyles they want to wear because of quote unquote corporate. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. Like you are not going to be able to get not even get productivity from employees, but when employees feel safe in the workplace, they're going to feel some type of connection with their work and their employees. And to me, it's it, it's attachment theory. Like it, it truly is attachment theory. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what it is. If you don't feel safe in your workplace, you're going to get burnt down employees. You're going to get employees who just are like, I'm here to do this and that's it. And you're going to see higher turnover rates. Like to me, it's like, why can't we create workplaces that work with individuals instead of against them? If you're, if you're someone who is more introverted than extroverted, meaning that you get your energy from yourself and not other people, then why are we putting pressure on individuals to speak during Zoom calls? Why can't we let them know prior, hey, this is what we're going to be talking about. You know, write down some like little things like that. Oh, can I wear headphones during the day? It's not because I'm trying to like not talk to people. It's because I get distracted really easily and I'm more productive and feel safer in the workplace when I have headphones. Why is that so hard? And that's really where I came to the conclusion like this is what I want to do because I want to represent the employee not the company so that's why I was like all right I'm gonna I'm, I don't want to work for a company I want to create my own company and consult and coach so then I can come in and represent the individual versus like the company I love this so much because it does makes it makes so much sense. I think a lot of shifted after COVID and having people work from home and but when I was working in an office environment in particular um 
a particularly toxic environment, I felt so different. Um, and I, I was not super motivated in, in that role and, and it wasn't the right role for me, but I also worked very differently than the other people I was working with. And I felt like the support I needed was different. I didn't really know how to verbalize that. And, um, I love having something like playing in the background while I'm working. It like actually helps me focus. It's not, I'm not just like watching something. I like genuinely like that. Um, It helps me to get things done. And I think like there were just so many factors where I felt not like myself and out of body. And I still think about those moments to this day in that role where, you know, you, I, you kind of bring those fears of what you've experienced into a new environment. So I have, um, you know, I, I have my full-time role and then I um, have Amplify Her Media. And one of the things that I love about my full-time role is it really does focus on the individual. And yeah. I think the two systems that you're describing that uphold so much of what you're talking about is the patriarchy and white supremacy culture. I mean, I talk about both of them on this show constantly, um, but both of those systems uphold so many of the things that you're talking about around the rigidity in the workplace, having to be perfect, having things to be a very particular way. And so I'm curious about um, your work with you know, you, you spoke about body image in the workplace and women in leadership. I'm curious about your work in that arena, because I think women, um, as leaders really change, um, a lot of these dynamics in the workplace when they're aware of, of that diversity in every single like bucket we've been talking about. What have you found in your work and your research, like uh, all of the things that you do in that particular area? Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting because body image is, is such a large, like there's so many buckets in it. Right. And, you know, the way I initially first approached it was if you're someone who struggles with body image, are you more likely to raise your hand in meetings or you're, are you more likely to go for that leadership role or are you going to hold yourself back because you feel like, like I'm not good enough to do that. I don't feel confident enough to do that. But then I even went even deeper and looked at the research and the percentages of like individuals who are fat. Now, when I say fat, I really want to emphasize I don't look at fat as negative. And I think that that's a bigger conversation that a lot of people always like. Yeah. Put it, unfortunately, like that's just patriarchy and yeah, that phobia, you know? So when I say that, I, I really want to emphasize, I do not mean that in a negative way. This mm-hmm. is purely from a looking at it where like individuals that don't fit that thin standard get paid. I think that the actual percentage is like, like 30% less than, than, than her counterparts, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like absolutely ridiculous. And you can even go even deeper within the fact of having comfortable seating for those individuals and having them feel comfortable within those situations. Like they're not even being accommodated for, which is absolutely ridiculous. Then you could even look up, I did research for non-binary individuals um, and how, um, you know, I did a lot of like one-on-one information on research about how they felt identified, like how they felt comfortable were people using the proper pronouns for them. And a lot of them said, no, a lot of them were like, I have to correct people all the time. I had one person who was like, my boss won't even acknowledge the fact that I would like to use they, them pronouns which again is so dangerous. Like so dangerous. So dangerous. Um, that to me, so when I say body image, it's so much deeper than I don't fit the image of what things should be. It's more so like, it's dangerous for me to be in the workplace. Mm, like really. Yeah. I, and then when you look at like hairstyles, I mean, there's so much research in, you know, I, I know so many um, black women, women of color who are literally not allowed to wear their hair naturally mm-hmm. because of men. What? Like that to me is 
there is just so much information out there that is truly scary, truly scary of individuals not being able to be themselves or not getting paid the proper amount or diversity programs that are out there that aren't actually diverse. It is truly terrifying. I don't even want to say sad because that makes it like (laughs) boo-boo. It is terrifying um, and outrageous and dangerous. I mean, that's the best word. It's dangerous. So that's really for me did a lot of work around like diversity programs and what the actual truth of diversity programs are the the truth of what the employees are saying behind the scenes um so to me it it, yes there's so much work and so much work around people not feeling confident but is it really that they don't feel confident or is it that they just don't feel safe right that's the real question so when you've been um you know looking at you know, women in the workplace and and those leadership roles for women. I mean, I 100% in my own life can have seen the differences um, in a women-led company versus not. And also me living in a larger body, I have seen the differences in how I'm treated versus how other people are treated and being a woman of color, like just all those things. But I'm curious kind of what... um, what kind of work you've done or, or what you've seen when it comes to um, women as leaders and like how, um, how we, you know, really can utilize, um, you know, these, these things you're talking about as far as our energy levels, our, you know, brain, <laughs> brains, our consistency, you know, all of these routines that you talk about in your videos to embrace more leadership in the workplace and change these systems? What have you seen? Well, I think the biggest thing, even when it comes to coaching individuals within this, making sure prior to you stepping into a workplace, I think doing research on workplaces is really, really important. And like, and seeing other experiences. That's why I love like Glassdoor and things like that, because they're going to tell you like what type of environment you're stepping into, even before we get into the company, right? Like what type of environment is this place? But even let's just say you're in the workplace already. I love figuring out, okay, what makes you feel good? And when I say, I don't like using the word confident because I think confident comes at the end of it, right? We want to look at when we're building self-love, building self-confidence as a three-part fold. So think of it like, think of it like when you're in a relationship, right? And you first meet someone, you're not initially going to love them, right? You first have to build self-trust, trust with them. Then you respect them then you love them. And it's the same thing with yourself. First, you have to trust yourself. So how do we trust ourselves? Trusting ourselves comes down to one, figuring out what feels good. If I'm someone who likes to wear bright colors, or for example, I have, I mean, this is actually pretty more natural than what I used to have, but I used to have like flaming red hair, right? Not very quote unquote corporate, that made me feel like myself. That made me feel like myself. Or when I wear bright colors to some people, that's uncomfortable for them. Not my problem. So like learning, learning little things like that, where what are some things that you can do that make you feel like you? Maybe you can't do the full thing, but maybe it's a jacket that makes you feel good. Maybe it you know what I mean? Like it's, it's figuring out oh, yeah, what, absolutely. what feels good, right? That's also learning how to stand up for yourself. That's also learning how to say no. That's also learning how to put boundaries up. Now, those things can be a little bit tough, right? And learning how to create boundaries within the workplace can feel a little bit tough. However, it's essential in order to build that confidence. So for example, let's say you have a manager who is a male who is like, Hey, um, I want you to type at this meeting, like the notes, a boundary would be, Hey, Mark, thanks so much for reaching out. Actually, that's not part of my job description, but 
blah, 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 like give an alternative or just yeah. literally say, that's not part of my job uh, description. Looking forward to seeing you in the meeting, period. Yeah. That's a boundary. That's a boundary, right? From there, that builds that self, self-respect. Now you're going to learn, oh, I got my back, right? Then we can get to, oh, I feel really good about myself, right? It's these little aspects because I think so many times we think from zero to 100, like, oh, I have to, I don't feel confident. Now I have to feel, how do I get to 100? It's small little bits. Where work crafting, I think is another really great way that we can start. Like, so what work crafting essentially is, is if you're really unhappy with what you're doing within the workplace, you can then start crafting work that feels more aligned to you within the workplace. And there's been so much research that shows that it increases. Ooh, yes. Elaborate. Go ahead. Right. Like, so, um, so basically what this does is it allows you to kind of craft your job description to feel more aligned to you. And what research has shown is that when we're allowing employees to craft their job descriptions, this allows them to feel more productive. They feel more aligned with the people that they're working with, and they feel more aligned with the company. There's a lower turnover as well when we're able to really embrace work crafting within the workplace. So I think work crafting is a really great way to allow employees to have that independence while also still being within their work parameters. So they're still getting their actual work done, but they're doing things that they really love or that they would love to add into. So a lot of people think that's like adding additional work that you're not getting paid for, but I want you to think about it in a way where it's building evidence Right. And that's how I look at everything is like, how can I build evidence to make a change within that? So I'll give you an example. Let's say I'll give you actual real life example. So I also am a lead performance coach at Google. And one of the things that I really wanted to start doing was I'm on camera a lot. So I really wanted to start doing more like a talk show esque type of thing there instead of just teaching fitness classes. Uh, so I started pitching different ways to do talk shows. Um, so we're actually going to be launching this really cool talk show. That's going to be like me working out with someone and asking like interview questions and things like that. How fun! That's, that's work crafting, right? So I'm still doing the parameters of my job, but I'm crafting it to make it feel more like me. So that's another way that we can start building confidence within the workplace, right? I think especially for women, a really big thing too, and a lot of research showed this, is that there's a lot of competition from woman to woman within the workplace because there's only like one or two spots at the table. So we still have to do a, a, a better job as women to help each other and not look at each other as competition. And I know that's really easier said than done, right? Because now we're talking about money. Now we're talking like you have to assume that the other person is on board with that too. But I think when we can all come together and, and even hype each other up and be like, yes, like that was a great point yeah. that you made in this presenta presentation today. Or again, like I have an, a, a coaching client who they are non-binary and um, you know, they were, we were talking about a situation where they had, a coworker literally tell their manager, Hey, that's not their pronouns, like in a meeting. And like, to me, that, that is where it's at, right? That is unity right there. That that is, that is someone who is like, mm, and that's how we start making a difference and building confidence within the workplace. Because when confidence is so much more than just, I look good. Ooh, mm -hmm. I look good right now. Confidence is literally feeling safe. That is well, what 100%. Is. Yeah. And I think something that um, is really important around that piece of supporting each other in the workplace, uh, definitely calling out each other's performance, like you said, um, yeah. but doing so in front of management, like yeah. doing so in front of people who are making those decisions around your pay, around your job, around the structure of your 
business or your organization if you are in one of those situations. Um, I know that the women on Barack Obama's staff um, used to do that um, in front of him. And they would say, um, you know, hey, so-and-so, you had a great idea. You know, I, you know, want to recognize that. Or they would directly talk to each other and and ask, you know, the the women in the room or highlight their work. Yeah. um, So it would be more seen and that would be common um, or highlight, you know, being, having somebody else be interrupted and saying, I really want to hear what that person was saying, you know, and, and just ensuring that that can happen. And I think that, comes down to the work that you're doing, the quality of work that you're doing, shouting that out, and then also talking about pay transparency. Um, Because I have been really, really, really um, invested in pay transparency and talking about it because we can do the work, but if we're not being equally paid for that work and transparent about how much we're making, you know, we're really not rising as much as we could be. And so I really love... um, you know, all of the things you're saying around like um, crafting your work. I've definitely done that in my role. And (laughs) I think it, it not only helps you um, with your creativity and and feeling better in your role, but for me, it was like showing more skills that I had and like cultivating those things at work. Um, So I think you're touching on so many things that we might forget in the workplace. And, you know, one of the things that I I have somewhat of an issue with is like the universal we at work. Um, and I think showcasing an individual's work can be hard when you, you're doing it for yourself. Like when you're yeah. saying I, 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 because it might come off as not so great. But yeah. if you have that allyship and other people advocating for you, not yeah. only you're going to feel great, but you're going to be like, oh, great. My work is actually being recognized and there is a delineation of our jobs. We are one team, but we're all doing different things. Um, I would love to talk to you about, um, the, like just to kind of shift gears a little bit to like that productivity piece, Yeah, because I know you talk a lot about that online. And I think it really does have to do with like that motivation at work, like, you know, getting things done and, and becoming, you know, leaders. I mean, I mentioned at the top of the show, June bugging and yeah. how I, I find you there, but I know you've talked about like a bare minimum morning routine. You've mm-hmm. talked about like automation with your habits and like having cues and rewards. Yeah. Maybe we can start at like June bugging and what exactly that is. Yeah. Because I think it really bleeds into the workplace and we can just kind of like go down the line yeah, yeah, if yeah. you don't mind. Because yeah, I feel like these things are just so helpful yeah. in learning about how our brains work, especially since you're working with a lot of neurodivergent people. Um, if you're listening, welcome. And hey. like, <laughs> I would love to provide, you know, more resources for folks yeah, like that. Of course. So June bugging basically where this came from was the idea of the June bug, right? And think of it as there's a screen on the window and there's a hole. And basically what the June bug does is it'll essentially like keep going to the same place. And if it can't go into the hole, it goes right back around and it goes back to the same hole until it can get through that window. And that's essentially what June bugging is is the idea where you start in one very specific place and it's knowing that the likelihood of you getting distracted is going to happen, right? So it's working with your brain. It's not working against it. We know you're going to get distracted. So let's say, for instance, my goal is to do the dishes, right? That And it's really important that you're very specific. I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to clean the kitchen. No, I'm going to work on the dishes. Knowing I'm going to get distracted, right? I could be washing the dishes for 10 minutes and be like, oh, shoot, I forgot to call my friend. So then I go call my friend and I'm like, all right, let me call you back. And then I go back to the dishes. So essentially, it's always going back to that main spot until you finish that main spot. And what I found works so well, and essentially, I did this in grad school too, was I used June bugging to write papers because writing papers in grad school you write so many papers. Yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely exhausting. And I really had a hard time 
adjust, especially when I wasn't in, in hyper-focus mode. If I was in hyper-focus mode, I mean, I could write like a 15-page paper like that. But if I was trying to really get ahead of the, the curve, it was really hard for me when I didn't have that urgency, that burning the walls coming down to do that. So I used June bugging a lot with writing papers where I would write paragraph one, then I would go get go do something else and come back and finish writing paragraph two and then go and then come back. So essentially I'm always coming back to that main thing until I finish it. And what's yeah. so great about it is I think that it really does help number one with productivity, but it takes the shame out of, away from it. You are working with your brain instead of against it, instead of being like, wow, I am so frustrated. I'm so stupid that I can't get this done no just june bug your way out of it like that's it yeah. it's just taking your timing and breaking it down bit by bit and just always coming back to that thing um and again like i've used it for cleaning but i've also used it in productivity in writing papers in being at work things like that and i can use it at all different levels um and i find that with clients like i primarily work with entrepreneurs and creators with neurodivergency and help them with like energy management or help them with productivity or just like kind of figuring out their day, um, you know, really kind of offloading what's going on. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that I use with them is, is June bugging. It, it truly, truly helps um, with that productivity without shame. Well, I love that because it's also naming the thing. You yeah. know, it's naming, okay, for me, I think that thing would be emails. I'm horrible at emails and I yeah. despise them, um, but I know they're important and they're yeah. a way that we need to communicate. And if yeah. I'm hyper-focused, I could send 20 emails, no problem. Yeah. But usually I I am like molasses, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I'm trying to pull myself towards it. But if I identified, I need to get this one piece out and, you know, really identified that this is how my brain works sometimes. And like, this is just how it's going to be. But if I get this one thing and I have this one focus, I I really love that you're naming it because yeah. again, it's that kind of shame component. Why can't I just get this thing done? Why can't I just have this happen and why can yeah. I do it? Um, and I think uh, something that leads me, you know, that I'm thinking about with this is that simplified morning routine that you talk about online, um, yeah. the bare minimum morning routine. Um, because I think a lot of your work uh, has to do with giving yourself grace and permission to just go at your own pace in your own yeah. speed. Would you say that is, is a hundred percent. I mean, I just think, especially growing up, neurodivergent and that knowing I was growing up neurodivergent I mean I just really struggled a lot and held a lot of shame and anxiety from that and uh, with the bare minimum morning what I love about it is it's a baseline and and I've really have learned to replace bare minimum with baseline and basically what I mean by baseline is that when you create a baseline it essentially is a bare minimum but like it's basically like what needs to get done at that baseline? Anything above that, amazing. Anything above that baseline, great. But the whole goal, what is the bare minimum baseline that I need to do? So what I essentially do with, with that, as I created with a baseline, it's called Shine. And it's a, it's like the shine method. So basically what that, what that does is it's a morning routine that is a baseline. So like shine would basically be like for S that's like stretching or exercise, light exercise, right? So like when you first wake up in the morning, it's like, okay, I'm just going to stretch, get my body moving. H is for hydrate. So like I always drink like a, a, a thing of water in the morning before I have coffee. Um, I is like that implementation of like either it's uh skin routine or like just brushing your teeth, like hygiene. And it's for noting um, intentions. So like putting an intention for the day and then E is eating breakfast. And that is the baseline. That's the baseline. If I do anything more than that, amazing. But as long as I hit that, the shine, as long as I'm shining in the morning, I'm good. And anything yeah. more than that is great. But if I just can do that, I feel good. I feel like I 
and taking care of myself. And that's essentially what all of this is. It's yes, advocating yeah. for yourself. It's taking care for taking care of yourself. Whether we're talking about productivity, the shine method, the bare minimum, baseline, June bugging, or even what we were just talking about before within the workplace, using proper pronouns, all of that stuff. It's all just taking care of yourself at the end of the day. And I think so many times we have to abandon ourselves in order to survive. And, and, and that's, that sucks. You know what I mean? And that really does take a toll on your mind and your body and who you are. Imagine, I always think this to this like, man, I imagine who I could have been, not even who I could have been, but the peace I could have felt if I didn't have the shame that people put on me, right? Because the thing yeah. is, like, I, people put that shame on you. It's not about you, I feel shame. No, they're putting the shame on you. Being unique is such a superpower, but unfortunately, people see that as a threat. and they look at it as like a, oh, you're different. Yeah, damn right I'm different. Right now I'm at a point where I just want to empower people to embrace taking care of themselves because when we can take care of ourselves, we can advocate for ourselves and then we can advocate for others. And I think that's my biggest thing is just teaching others how to advocate for themselves and how to take care of themselves. And it's not about being the best I don't need to be the best anymore what is even the best you know what yeah, I mean? like literally. I don't need to be the best anymore I just need to take care of myself and when I take care of myself that's when I can that's when I can really stand in, in my own power yeah I mean I absolutely love that and I think like so much of what you're also saying revolves around the the structures and the messaging that we have as a um, society. You know, I think everyone is different and is going to approach things in their own unique way. And, and healing and finding what you need for yourself is hard. Like figuring yeah. out where you stand in the world and what is good for you is hard. Yeah. But it's even harder because we're being piped this messaging that there is one right way to do something or yeah. there's a system of ways to yeah. do things that works best or is yeah. the best. And yeah. that is just simply not true. And finding the ways that connect with what feels best for you is going to really bump up against that system no matter what. And that can be really hard for people to digest. But for those people where it's hard for them to digest that, they need those tools and resources just as much as, as you do. And so yeah. I think it's sometimes hard for all of us to understand we're all in this together trying to figure out how to change this messaging that we've been fed, um, that there are certain things that have to be one right way or one particular way. And I love, you know, the things that you're talking about really revolve around finding the path that is best for you and finding a healing uh, process that is best for you so you can feel your best. Um, I am... I, our hour flew by together. <laughs> um, literally, I feel like we blinked. I say that every time on the show, but it's so true. Um, I really would love as, as you know, my final question, like what has this work done for you yeah. and what do you hope to do moving forward? I think this, this work has even helped me find a lot of peace with myself, you know, I was just thinking yeah. the other day, um, just that thought that we were just talking about, right, is the shame that so many people have put on me. So many people have tried to take away my joy, my light, everything. And I let them for a really long time, like, I'll be honest, like, I just never really associated being like a happy person, because I felt like every time I really stood in that happiness, people took that away people would say something. And um, I'll give you two really, really quick examples of that, uh, just because I think a lot of people could relate to this. So I had um, about two years ago, I posted a story online on Instagram. And I just finished a workout. And I was like, really excited. And I was just like, Oh, my God, like, this is such a great workout. Blah, blah, blah. And I had this girl 
accidentally messaged me. She was sending my story to someone else and basically was like, I know you like her, but I find her so fucking annoying and accidentally sent it to me. And I instantly felt this shame and felt like I was 12 again being called weird. And I was so upset. And she didn't even apologize. She just blocked me. Mm. Yeah. And I called her out on it. I was like, are you talking about me? Like, I'm just being myself. Like, you know, I'm sorry if you take offense to that. And I shouldn't have apologized, but I didn't realize how heavy that was holding on me until very recently my my boyfriend and I went on vacation and we went to go um, – look at dolphins. And I was so excited. I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. Like I was, I was totally unmasked, totally just like, and he turned to me and he goes, and these two girls were laughing. Like I saw them look at me and they like laughed and he just looked at me. He goes, this is my favorite moment that I've had with you because I've never seen you so happy. Oh, that's so beautiful. So happy. And he actually went as far as for Christmas he got me this present of the picture that we took with the dolphin and like you, it like lights up and he goes, anytime that you feel really stressed or just like struggling mental health wise, I want you to look at this and remember that like you deserve, oh, you deserve to be as happy as you were that day. Mm. And it was something that I don't think that I've ever had someone really ever truly love like that part of me I feel like I had to mask that for so long you know and um you know I was really just thinking lately to that example and and just thinking wow wow so many people have tried to take my happiness away and like I really as a coping mechanism just had to mask all the time because anytime I became really happy or I you would show my joy right what joy looks like to me people would shit on it people would be like you're weird you're this you're that so I just became this shell of myself because I wanted other people to be comfortable. And I think this work, going back to your question, like the work that I've been able to do in grad school and since graduating grad school and coaching individuals and doing all this has not only helped other people, but has helped myself give myself permission to, to be happy again, to show joy to, I, I, I simply really don't I'm going to curse again. I really don't give a fuck if like you're uncomfortable by that. Like, this is my joy and my happiness. And if you're going to write a nasty comment or share something, that yeah. says so much more about you than it does about me. You yes. know what I mean? No, so, 100%. Oh. I just think that, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that lovely, lovely story because I think that there are those moments that so many of us have when people have said something and changed our emotional state. And there's so much healing that goes into being emotionally healthy and well. So when someone says something, you can recognize, oh, they're going through something that, you know, is not stable or is they're having insecurities or they're not doing well um, because the the people who take action in those ways um have a lot of healing to do you know yeah. and so i think that what's so gorgeous about your story is number one you being you feeling so free to yeah. to express your emotions and like having an ally like you were saying um in your partner who can fully embrace that. And I think that goes into everything we were just saying about like the workplace, having people advocate for you, but also your work and you basically like giving people all these little like emotional dolphins where you can just be like, Hey, here's, I want you to be you. And I want you to feel your best. And here's, I'm holding this little emotional dolphin and I'm like, gonna let you be you. And I'm going to praise that and just give you permission to feel all your feelings. And like, as a reminder, I'm here. And so I think it's beautiful that you have someone doing that for you and you can like do that for yourself and you have like those tools and that you're also providing that for other people. Um, so I, I mean, Thank you for coming on and sharing all of this with everyone. And um, just quickly, like as you're looking into the future, what is your biggest hope with the work that you're doing? Yeah, so I think the the biggest thing is just developing a stronger community. You know, I think that 
a lot of what I do is just based on community and having people not feel alone. You know, I think that when we can come together and be like, oh, I went through that too. Or like, oh my God, like that, because like I said, with everything that we just talked about, it all comes down to, it all comes down to being an ally to yourself and being an ally to other people. And when we can advocate for other people, for them just being themselves, you know, I think at the end of the day, creating allies and allowing people just to be authentically themselves, that is so powerful. And that's all I ever wanted in my own life is to just be myself. And I think finally at this part of my life, I am entering a phase of, of, owning that of being like this is who I am and I just want other people to feel that so I think really going into this year and, and just the future of what I want to be doing is just be creating a bigger platform and, and a bigger community of, of whether that's you know online workshops in-person stuff podcasts whatever it is just creating resources and a place for people to be themselves because the the world is unfortunately not a safe place you know Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people know that a lot of people know that they can't be themselves all of the time but I hope that I can create a community where people feel safe enough whether it's in fitness whether that's in 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 psychology whether that's on Instagram TikTok wherever where they can just feel like this is my safe space and that's really just my my biggest goal is is to continue to do that That's so gorgeous. And I can definitely see that you are doing that through your work. And I'm really excited to see like how all of this grows. And um, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to come on and talk to me today. I know we both wanted to connect with each other. So I'm just like so happy (laughs) that it could happen. And um, I, yeah, I'm just so grateful. And so thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me. I was like, I saw that post that you put up and I was like, I need, we need to connect. Like we need to do this. So totally for having me. It was such a pleasure talking to you. You too. And if you're listening to this, please never forget that your voice matters and your story matters. And I will see you on the next episode of the Amplify Her podcast. Bye everyone. I am so grateful that you've listened to this episode of the Amplify Her podcast. If you're listening to this and you don't follow the show, one thing that would help the show tremendously is if you open that Apple app, if you're listening to it on Apple, click on the title of the show and on the top right hand corner, click that plus sign so you don't miss an episode. Not only does it help me to grow this show, but it helps you to be in the loop when episodes drop every Wednesday and every Friday. If you're listening to this show on Spotify, click on the show title of this episode to take you to the full listing of them and click follow. That way you won't miss a new episode as it comes out. For more information about the Amplify Her podcast, Amplify Her media, and the Amplify Her networking group, head to www.amplifyhermedia.com.